Greetings fellow captains, and welcome to episode 2 of Rank Amateur. Today we are featuring the Soviet Tier 5 Premium Battleship, Aktyoborskaya Revolutsiya. This has to be my favorite Tier 5 battleship, even over the likes of New York. And that's just because she's just so fun to play. Aktyobreskaya Revolutsia, which translates to October Revolution, was originally built for the Imperial Russian Navy, so before the Bolsheviks took over the country, um, as Battleship Gangut. Battleship Gangut was the lead ship of her class of Gangut-class battleships, and... She was laid down on June 16, 1909. She was launched on October 20, 1911, ironically in October, you know, and commissioned into the Imperial Russian Navy, not the Bolsheviks Navy, or, which is called the Soviet Navy, obviously, it, on January 11, 1915. Some basic facts about her. Her displacement was 24,400 tons, she was 590 feet 6 inches long at the waterline. Her beam was 87 feet 3 inches, and her draft was 27 feet 6 inches as a normal displacement. She carried 12 305 millimeter main battery guns arranged in four turrets of three all along the center line in a really odd arrangement that allowed her to bring her guns to bear on one target while still remaining heavily angled. Her secondary armament was a little bit of a joke at 16 120 millimeter or 4.7 inch guns uh, and ranged in 16 by 1 turrets mounted in casemates along the side of the ship. So individual guns mounted in casemates with a, with a limited firing arc in the side of the ship which wasn't super effective and then she carried those really ineffective battleship torpedoes that almost all battleships carried, which was four 455mm torpedoes, which were fixed and submerged. She had 25 boilers, four turbines, which sent their power down four shafts and generated 52,000 shaft horsepower. She was capable of 24 knots and had an endurance of 3,200 nautical miles at 10 knots. Her armor was 125 to 225 millimeters on the main belt. Her deck had 50 millimeters of armor. Her turret barbettes had 150 millimeters of armor. Her turret face had 203 millimeters of armor. Her turret roof had 100 millimeters of armor. Her conning tower side had 254 millimeters of armor. Her conning tower roof had 100 millimeters of armor. Her crew was 1,126 people. Aktyoborskaya Revolutsiya, which was built as Gangut in the Imperial Russian Navy, was designed under the order of Tsar Nicholas II as a response to the British production of HMS Dreadnought, which left many foreign navies scrambling to find solutions. Since Russia had little ship design capabilities, the design fell on firms from foreign countries. A German design was chosen, which is ironic because Russia and Germany were rivals, and the Russian and French governments didn't exactly appreciate the Navy's move on choosing a German design. It was compromised that the Imperial Russian Navy would simply buy the designs and would build the ships themselves, but would need British assistance to do so. Okay, so now a little bit on the physical characteristics of this ship. 
Octavioriskaya Revolutia was fitted with an ice-breaking bow and had secondary guns that were positioned along the side of the ship in casemates, which essentially means that they're enclosed and not in their own turrets. The secondary battery guns being positioned directly under the main battery meant that they would be adversely affected when the main battery opened fire and were rendered unusable when the main battery was in use. Unfortunately, the battleship had to compromise its armor and make it a bit thinner than foreign counterparts in order to extend the belts longer than foreign counterparts, as per lessons learned from the Battle of Toshima. However, this meant that she could maintain a higher speed than most foreign counterparts. After Octiodobrskaya assumed her name in 1925, she was modernized. A clipper bow, which is essentially a bow that extends over the ship's waterline, was added to improve seakeeping, as well as more effective directors. Also fitted were a larger bridge and vastly improved anti-aircraft armaments after the Russians realized how effective aircraft could be against battleships. New boilers were fitted as well. The boilers that were originally intended for the battlecruiser Ismail, which is actually a tier 6 in World of Warships, by the way. But that ship was cancelled, so the boilers that were originally intended for it were added to the Octiorskaya Revolutia. Since the boilers that were originally intended for Ismail were more efficient than the boilers currently on October Revolution, this freed up enough space to add another watertight longitudinal bulkhead, which increased the ship's resistance to underwater damage, aka torpedoes and mines. So now we're going to go a little bit into the history of October Revolution. However, I'm not going to explain the history of Ganget, which is what the ship used to be when it was in service with the Imperial Russian Navy. I'll go over that history in more detail when I do a podcast on Ganget. Octiobreskaya Revolutia had been in reserve since 1918 because of lack of manpower, but was reactivated in June 1925 after the political situation in the newly formed USSR had cooled off a bit. She was modernized three times. Once in 1925 to 1926, once in the early 1930s, and another time during World War II. She essentially was a training ship until the Winter War started in 1938, where she was used only once to bombard a Finnish shore battery on December 18, 1939 at Saarinpa, I don't know how to pronounce that name, but retreated because of numerous near misses in the Russian sphere, or I should say Soviet sphere, of losing one of their most valuable ships. The Gulf of Finland iced over shortly after and ended Aktyoroborskaya Revolutsia's involvement in the war. October Revolution then took up residence in Tallinn, after the Soviets had occupied it. She went for modernization, where yet more anti-aircraft guns were fitted, and the large cranes on the ship, uh, on the after superstructure, you can see them in the game, and in pictures of it, were taken off in favor of smaller ones to provide a better firing arc for the anti-aircraft guns. October Revolution was sent to Kronstadt, because Tallinn was being overrun by the Germans in June 1941 after Operation Barbarossa had started. 
Once October Revolution was in Kronstadt, she began to bombard German positions in the German 18th Army on September 8, 1941, while sitting in the channel that divided Leningrad and Kronstadt. Rumors also suggest that four of her secondary 120mm guns were taken off to be used by the Soviet Army as artillery units. Unfortunately, by then, the German army noticed there was a rather large battleship that was pestering their army. So they woke up their air force, and on September 21st, 1941, Zeliftwaffe bombed October Revolution, heavily damaged her. She received three bomb hits, which managed to disable two of her main battery turrets, which is rather unfortunate because it was only three bombs. However, it wasn't until October 23rd that she was allowed to leave and undergo repairs. The Soviets clearly weren't happy with the number of anti-aircraft guns on the ship, so they decided to add more as she underwent repairs. She was again hit in April of 1942 while undergoing repairs in a dry dock, which further delayed her return to frontline action. She was finally able to return to service in November of 1942. She gave naval gunfire support to the Soviet army and was institutional in the siege of Leningrad, protecting the city from Finnish and German armies. She was used to support the advancing Soviet army in 1944. During this year, her radar outfit was upgraded with a British 279 air warning radar system to help her detect enemy aircraft. She was awarded the Order of the Red Banner Medal on July 22, 1944, which is actually a pretty prestigious medal in the Soviet Armed Forces. She was classified as a school battleship, essentially a training ship, on July 24, 1954, and was stricken from the naval list on February 17, 1956. She was slowly scrapped and was non-existent by 1960, and that is the history of October Revolution. I would say that's a vast improvement over last week's USS St. Louis's history, but is nonetheless quite a bit less interesting than her gameplay in World of Warships. In World of Warships, she is a Tier 5 premium battleship, as I've illustrated before, and can be purchased either in the premium shop for, I think, around $20, $21, something like that, and can be also purchased in the armory for around 50,000 coal. I purchased this ship in the armory for 50,000 coal because that was just an amazing deal because this ship is such an interesting one. She has 42,500 hit points, which isn't a lot for a tier 5 battleship. Only Brentag, I don't know how to pronounce it, a French tier 5 battleship has less. Her main battery is 305mm, 52 caliber model 1907 guns, situated in four turrets of three guns each. Rate of fire is 1.88 shots per minute, which is equivalent to 32 seconds of reload time per shot. The rotation speed is 3.2 degrees per second, which isn't great. It's 50, it takes almost a minute to turn the turrets around, which is, in my opinion, a huge weak point of the ship, but that's the same on all Tier 5 battleships. The firing range is 16.83 kilometers, which is nothing to write home about. Uh, maximum dispersion is 288 meters, which is pretty good at max range. Her HE shell is actually quite nice. It's 4,500 damage per penetration, and the chance of fire on target is 33%, which is pretty good. And trust me, with this ship, the small caliber guns, you're going to have to use those AP or excuse me, HE shells when you get up tiered. 
The initial HE shell velocity is 762 meters a second, which isn't great. The shell arcs on the ship are abnormally high, let's just say. And the HE shell weight is 470.9 kilograms. The AP shell damage is 8600, which is a lot per shell, uh, 762 meters a second, that's identical to the HE shell velocity. It's, like I said, abnormally high firing arcs, and the HE shell weight is 470.8 kilograms. The secondary armament, I don't even know if it's worth mentioning here because it is nothing to write home about. It is like urinating on a house fire. It is nothing special. The firing range is only 4 kilometers. It's only got 10 uh, secondary guns, each of 120 millimeters, mounted in casemates along the side of the ship, as it was in history. Uh, the reload time is 8.57 seconds. I mean, if you're going to have a small caliber gun, it has to have a better reload than that, so not worth it. Um, HE shell damage is 1,700 damage max, but it, it not super impressive, but its velocity is 823 meters a second, which is kind of interesting because it's higher than the main velocity of the um, main battery shells. Chance of fire on target caused by HE shell, eh, 8%. Not very great. Just just kind of lackluster. AA defense, it's pretty good. Um, it's nothing, it doesn't hold a candle to what Texas can do because nothing can hold a candle at what Texas can do for several tiers after, actually. But the AA is better than New York's, which is interesting. And it will hold its own against especially Tier 4 aircraft from the likes of Langley, Hermes, and Hosho. But it, but the AA starts to struggle when you start facing Tier 6 aircraft carriers. Because it's just, it's not meant to go against that. And that's one weak point of it, because the ship is really not great at being up-tiered. But then again, we have to give our Russian comrade at Tier 5 a little bit of a break since most Tier 5 and 6 ships are not very good at being up-tiered, especially when you have to face those Tier 7s and 8s. If you're at Tier 6, you'll face Tier 8s. Um, and that's really one of the weak points of just playing at these tiers. It's a huge slap in the face with any of these ships. But let's go into the pros of the ship, which would be the armor. Oh my god. Goodness, is the armor good on this thing. It The bow armor is super weird. It can bounce Yamato shells. And it has over 100 millimeters of armor on the bow, which is really strange, although that is only in a part of the bow. If you hit the very tip of the bow, like the clipper uh, bow, it is going to penetrate, which means the ship can take a lot of uh, HE damage from those destroyers and the HE spamming cruisers because of the superstructure being particularly weak armored. Uh, the ship, however, does very, very well when you angle it. None of the battleships that you will face will be able to penetrate your armor if you're sufficiently angled. And this ship has a unique turret layout with having those uh, turrets 1 and 3 facing forward, and turrets 2 and 4 facing backwards, it means if you're pulling a 180 turn, you'll have situations where you can get your 1 and 3 turrets to fire, but your 2 and 4 turrets are going around, or the opposite way around. But that turret arrangement means from a very, very heavy angle, you can get 9 of your guns firing, and 
essentially make all the enemy shells, unless they're firing high explosive, just auto-bounce automatically and take zero damage. And sometimes you'll get those overpens on the superstructure, or you'll get a penetration that goes through the protective deck, and those can hurt. But most of the time, if you're sufficiently angled, none of these will penetrate. Now, what's worse about this armor is for whatever reason, the armor disappears when you're broadside. Like, disappears. It's gone. If you're broadside in something like, I don't know, a New Mexico catches you broadside, you will pay dearly for it. I remember one time where I was trying to conduct a 180 turn so I could kite away from the enemy that was currently overwhelming me and had sunk, uh, I think it was like three enemy ships, but I got slapped for, I think, 30,000 of my HP and left me on like 1,500 health for which a destroyer just farmed me and finished me off. But yes, you really, really have to be careful for those enemy battleships when you're turning around the kite. And like all battleships, the stern armor is nothing impressive, and you will take more damage if you're not bow tanking in this ship. Uh, but the maneuverability on this ship, maximum speed of 23 knots, which is slower than it was in real life. A little bit disappointing there. Um, but it is the third fastest ship at the tier, only behind Congo and Julio Cesar, which are two very fast. Well, actually, Congo is very fast. Julio Cesar is okay. Um, turning circular radius of 630 meters. That's very good for a battleship, especially of this size. And the rotor shift time is 12.6 seconds. I mean, it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's nothing like amazing, but it's, it's definitely more than adequate. Concealment, surface detectability range without any concealment expert or anything on it, 13.68 kilometers. And air detectability range is 7.82 kilometers. So... The strengths of this ship, definitely flank. If you go to, and I'm not talking about going to the flank where you're like hugging the map order and shooting at maximum range, because this ship, it, although the accuracy is okay, it's the plunging fire of the low velocity shells is going to make it very hard to hit anything at max range because the shells take so long to get there. So ideally, what you're going to do is you're going to go to, like, kind of the flank. You're going to go to the edge of the islands. Like, usually there's, in most Tier 5 maps, there's a strip of islands in the center covering the cap. So you got Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. You go around the side of either Alpha or Charlie. And then you don't sit there, but, like, you're just slowly advancing on the enemy. So you constantly have enemies in range, but you're not going to have the issue of having enemies that get behind you, like if you're going to Bravo... Uh, which I don't think most battleship captains should do, even regardless of the battleship they're playing. But then you can punish cruisers, because cruisers will be going towards either your starboard or port side. You can just punish them, because this thing just will punish cruisers. Because of the low caliber of shells, they're only 12 inches or 305 millimeters, you have a very low chance of over-penetrating, which means those shells are going to stick in there, into or armor the cruiser, and they're going to arm. And these shells deal a massive amount of damage for their caliber, which means dev strikes for everybody. Honestly, as cheesy as it is, the my favorite thing to do in this ship is when I see a cruiser broadside, I pull that trigger, and as soon as I delete the cruiser, it's just, go to Glock! Because 
It's just hilarious, especially when you're playing in the division. Your division mates will be questioning what you did until they see the dev strike on the chat. But the smaller caliber of guns does come with a pretty heavy price, and that is not being able to deal with higher tier battleships as well. The higher tier battleships have armor that you will ricochet even if they're at the slightest angle, especially those German buggers. And while this ship is very tanky of a ship, it doesn't have the ability to deal damage to other battleships in the way that maybe a battleship should. So you'll find yourself, especially if you're firing at a Gneisenau or like a King George V, you will end up firing that high explosive ammunition because it's just going to do more damage. You're going to get ricochets if you fire that armor piercing. And I get a lot of people who question me as why I do that. Well, I mean... It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that I can do. And with that 33% chance of starting a fire, you're going to get some more reliable damage that way. Another downside of this ship is definitely the torpedo damage reduction. It's terrible. It's horrific. It's... I don't even know any more adjectives to describe it. It Yeah, it's only 13%, which means you will take a ton of damage from torpedoes. Destroyers are your enemies. And I mean, that's that's pretty much every battleship, but particularly in the October Revolution, because you just don't have the health to take that kind of damage. I mean, one torpedo strike from a kamikaze will for surely make for a quick trip back to port or a quick trip to the spectator view. Another thing that can make for a really bad day is Pitor Vilki. I don't know how to pronounce that name, but it's the Russian non-premium tier five battleship. It is really hard to beat. <laughs> it's really hard to sink without getting sunk or taking a massive amount of damage yourself because of the fact that Pyotr Veliki has a lot of frontal armor similar to the armor arrangement that the Oktoberskaya Revolutia has. And that makes for a very unfun day because the Pyotr Veliki has slightly larger guns than you do. Um, the way to deal with that, I've found, and I've used the World of Warships Wikipedia page for this, is to try and outturn the guns of Pitor Vilicki and get behind him, because it, his stern armor is particularly bad. It's worse than average, actually, which means you're going to have a higher chance of getting a penetration from the rear, and even if you're forced to fire that high explosive ammunition, you're more likely to get a penetration and do some actual damage to the ship. Okay, so now let's address the elephant in the room. The damage control party. This is the most special part of this ship, and I believe that the Russian battleships have the same thing now, the standard tech tree ones, but when this ship was introduced before the Russian battleship line was introduced, it was revolutionary. Uh, the damage control party only has a 20 second cooldown, but it has limited charges. I have the premium consumables, which I believe are standard now, and I have superintendent on my captain, which means I can have five charges of damage control. You can only use it five times. This ship seems to get set on fire particularly easy, so you might find yourself have a tendency to instantly click that uh, damage control button, but do not because you will run out of charges fast. Now, I'm really, really conservative on my damage control on my other battleships. I 
really don't even use it. I'll go through a battle maybe using it once or twice. So this ship was good practice for me to, you know, use that damage control because it is there to be used. But it's a good trainer for other uh, players and captains to restrain themselves on using the damage control. Because once you're out of damage controls, you're really out of luck. Because those fires that burn will do a lot of damage, that low hit point pool will suffer, and what seems to be constant flooding will tick up a reasonable amount of damage, and that's really not cool. I mean, she has a pretty typical uh, damage repair party, which is useful. Obviously, most battleships have that, but it can't repair everything. <laughs> Alright, enough blabbling about the pros and cons of this ship. Let's go into the, uh, quote, optimal configuration. So on the World of Warships Wikipedia page, it has slot one as being the main armor and its modification one, which is what I have, what everybody should have, because the magazine's pretty much never going to be penetrated. I would be really surprised to hear that. I mean, it's probably happened a few times. But um, secondary mod, no. Don't, don't even bother with that. Um... Slot 2, Damage Control System Modification 1, pretty much standard for battleships. And Slot 3, on the World of Warships Wikipedia page, has it as being Aiming Systems Modification 1, which I didn't take on my captain. I took, or not captain, excuse me, on my ship. I took Main Battery, main battery Modification 2, and that's going to be able to increase your turret traverse time because it's slow and i just find that the 16 meters that is going to decrease your dispersion by really isn't worth it over that extra 5.1 seconds of turret traverse uh, however however the mounting this upgrade will increase the reload time and will the warships wiki has it as being by 1.6 seconds and my train of thought on that is being it's a battleship, it reloads like every 32 seconds, so what's 1.6 seconds going to make the difference? And I know people are going to disagree with me on that and be like, no, 1.6 seconds is a lot, especially when you're knife fighting with something else, but most of the time, especially if you're working that kind of mid-flank, you're really not going to need that. It's going to be like, how quickly can you delete the cruiser? It's going to be a 1.6 second delay over aiming systems. Alright, so now we're going to go over the commander skills. Uh, first and foremost, priority target, because that is, you know, a must on pretty much every ship. So for two points, I'm going to go get that uh, expert marksman, because the extra turret traverse is very valuable. Um, you can get Adrenaline Rush. This ship, I suppose, takes a lot of damage, but... I don't have it on my commander right now. Uh, definitely take superintendent. It, that's a must. You must take the superintendent because of the fact that that's going to allow you to get an extra charge on your damage control. Uh, concealment expert. Unfortunately, my captain isn't that valuable. I don't have concealment expert mounted, but it's definitely a skill you might want to get. Uh, advanced firing training. Uh, mm, no, I mean... You can you can get that, if, especially if you're trying to go for an AA build, and there's an upgrade for that as well. Uh, upgrade's not super valuable, only decreases the time it takes to set up a priority AA sector. But really, uh, you, you can go for that if you have points to spare, but nothing that's a must. 
Uh, signals, I mean, you can really do whatever you want here. Uh, definitely mount India Delta, which is going to increase the amount of HP that can be recovered by your uh, repair party consumable. And November Foxtrot, which is going to decrease the cooldown of your consumables, uh, which is going to increase the effectiveness of your damage control party, which is the special point of the ship. You can mount India Yankee signals. Uh, I just don't think that's super valuable. I mean, if you have them, mount them for sure. But it's not a must because of that damage control party. And the Juliet Yankee Bissotu, uh, you can do that, I guess. Uh, since this is a premium ship, definitely mount the Papa Papa signal if you have it. Uh, the free XP definitely uh, helps because otherwise you're gonna have to spend the balloons to get the XP off of this ship and convert it into free XP. Zulu, excuse me, Zulu Hotel Commander XP, you know, pretty much if you want to get more XP for your commander, let's see if you're training it for another battleship. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, so let's get into the gameplay of the ship. So how do others play the ship? Well, I mean, general consensus, watched a few YouTube videos and went on some forums and things. I uh, think that people play it as a normal battleship, which is kind of sitting behind your cruisers, or not behind your cruisers, behind your destroyers, is kind of milling around, not the back of the map, but just behind the cap circles. You can do that, it'll do okay with that, but what this real the ship really specializes in is ranges of 12 kilometers or less, and that's that's kind of all Russian battleships, but it will murder anything uh, under that range, and and there are exceptions to that rule, but definitely try to get as close to there, because this ship is a fan of, uh, or can do close range knife fights, and I mean like not like close range brawls where it's like an extended thing and both sides lose a ton of health. It's just who loses more health and dies first. Uh, it's more of that that quick short range fight. So if you get a cruiser like let's say you're going up against the Pensacola and it comes around the island, it will take that armor piercing damage and dish out way more to that Pensacola, possibly dev strike it and delete it, and then you may have lost a few thousand health, but it's okay with that and you can repair that. Um, and dueling with other battleships like you know, I don't know a close range duel with a New York or a Congo, yeah I can do that. Um, but the way I prefer to play it is doing that mid-range flank. So staying within 12 kilometers of most of the enemy team, so you're not like on the flank trying to steam at full speed to get in to range the targets, because I've done that. It doesn't work. You don't do much damage. But getting on the flank of the enemy and shooting into them is far better because then you have the broadsides to shoot at. And this, these guns will do lots and lots of damage on the broadside. But if the enemies are angled, unless it's a cruiser, uh, you can expect a lot of ricochets. And that's really not cool because then you're going to have to switch to the high explosive ammunition, which isn't going to do as much damage. Might set a few fires, though. But it's just not going to be as effective. So that's what I have found about playing this ship. It's a very good ship overall. I do enjoy playing it, especially because it's mid-tier. And it's fun to play, except if you get up-tiered. If you get up-tiered, it 
can be a little frustrating at times, especially getting those broadside shots at cruisers, especially British cruisers, because you can still over-penetrate, especially if you hit the uh, upper belt armor or the superstructure. You can still over-penetrate. That's frustrating because that's like the main drag of the guns is the fact that they don't penetrate a lot. But I think overall this is a pretty reliable damage battleship. Like, you can expect to easily do 40,000 damage on a terrible battle. If it's a battle that just kind of goes into the toilet, then you can still expect 40,000 damage. I have my damage record in this ship. I mean, it's maybe not proud as I am to say it, but I have the damage, my damage record in this ship it, to put in perspective of how much damage I can do in this ship. But as for those British cruiser overpenetrations, I have learned through scientific experimentation that if you shall go to Gulag as you fire the guns and send some political dissidents to the Gulag, you will do damage. <laughs> you will get no overpenetrations, you will delete the cruiser from the game and be very happy with yourself. If you don't do that, it's overpenetrations for everybody. And that's not very fun. But anyways, enough of that. Uh, Overall, this ship's pretty solid, I would say. It definitely has its weaknesses. It really does. But I would say overall solid. Uh, my first armory choice, because I didn't want to wait to get 200,000 coal to go buy myself a Salem or something like that, or Stalingrad, I went ahead, saved up 50,000, bought the October Revolution, and was very happy with myself. It's probably the best 50,000 coal I spent. I would have definitely done it again, especially over wasting it on signals. Um, however, in the premium shop, if you just don't feel like, you know, grinding down and getting 50,000 coal in a few days, and you want to pay the $21 for this ship, I think that it would be better not to purchase it. And I love this battleship to bits, but I think that it would be better just to wait until you get that 50,000 coal and get in the armory, because I don't think it's worth $20. And some people are going to disagree with me, and if you really want to go ahead and buy it for the $21, go ahead. But I really think it's worth it and more valuable to you if you grind it down in the armory. But anyways, if you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe. Otherwise, I will catch you next time, Captains. Captains.